0: As you watch these two beloved superheroes, Captain America and Iron Man, battle each other, the question that arises is what led these two men, who were once friends, to fight each other in such a fierce and violent way? The answer to that is disagreement. See, both of them are part of a superhero team called the Avengers. This is a team, a family of superheroes who work together for the greater good, defeating all sorts of villains, and saving the world from countless disasters. And the reason they have been so effective at fighting is their unity. Conversely, the greatest threat to their ability to succeed is division and conflict among themselves. Because if their unity is fractured, they will not be as strong as they could be. And this is exactly what happened in Captain America Civil War. It all started with a sharp disagreement between Captain America and Iron Man and that this agreement was to what degree they should get involved in civilian affairs. You see, in past wars, that the Avengers had engaged with their enemies, it ended up devastating multiple cities, cities like New York and Washington DC, and people were scared. So Captain America thinks that they should continue to be as involved as they've always have been, while Iron Man thinks that they should be put in check and not get as involved as before. And what first started off as a disagreement between friends who cared for each other led to a fierce war against each other which also forced other Avengers to take side and enter into a full-out civil war. Take a look. Hey, well, welcome to Christ Fellowship. Hey, great to see you. Are you all excited for the second week of At The Movies? Come on, let me hear you. Yeah. yeah, well, hey, I'm excited as well. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. My name is Zomar and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I want to do a, a, a special sh- uh, shout out to all of our first-time guests who decided to join us today for the very first time. And so we, feel, we hope that you're feeling loved, welcome, you're having some fun, you're going to enjoy some popcorn afterwards, but especially that you feel like you heard from God's word today and that you walk out encouraged. And so can we give it up for our first-time guest one more time? Hey, thank you so much for being here. So before we begin, let me just pray and let's prepare our hearts to receive God's word. Let's pray. My Lord, we come before you and we are just grateful that... Despite everything going on in our city, and our nation, Lord, we can still come together. Lord, to worship you, encourage each other, but Father, to study your word. And Father, we're going to be learning today about, Father, what to do where we are in these wars with the people that we love. And so Father, I pray that you create a, a heart of humility in us to receive your word. But not only that, but Lord, to take steps of obedience to so, so we can honor you. So, Father, bless our time together. Your people are eager to hear from you. Listen, Jesus, let me pray. And all of God's people say, amen. amen. Well, as you just saw in, in the clip before, uh, we see that Iron Man and Captain America were having a sharp disagreement. But here is where, all, where things went south, is that they could not contain that disagreement And folks, it evolved, as you saw, into an all-out war. And that war, that battle amongst each other, among the Avengers, really led to affect the unity and the strength of that group, that team of, of superheroes. In fact, let me just bring all that whole concept over to our time together because, folks, what an image of what could happen to us And by that I mean that just like Captain America and Ironman could not contain that initial disagreement, but allowed to evolve into an all-out war. Listen, just like that. And here's the big idea as we dive into God's word. So there will be disagreements with the people in our lives. There will be disagreements with your spouse. There will be disagreements with your family members with your children, there will be disagreements with your friends, old friends, disagreements with people at work, with your boss, there will be disagreements with pe- even people at church, people in your small groups, your small group leader. listen, there will be disagreements. But if we're not careful, it could evolve into an all-out war. And folks, it could be a cold war where we don't speak to each other, where we make passive uh, aggressive statements to each other, or it could be a fury war where we are just hurling statements and actions to hurt each other. And family, if we're not careful, it is in those wars that we inflict wounds on each other that has lasting Impact and could change that relationship from that point forward And who knows maybe you're watching right now one of our campuses online And you're saying Omar I know exactly what you mean because I have seen That when I've got into those wars with the people around me Not only has it affected that relationship from that point on but I've inflicted wounds that I've regretted and so Omar what do we need to know what do we need to know from God's word in order to fight for peace in the middle of those wars what well, we're gonna find out from James chapter 4 so if you have your Bibles turn to James chapter 4 you can also open up your Christ Fellowship apps you can download them in the App Store and uh, a lot of great features there including our sermon notes and our passages all right so write this down as big as, as, as uh, I have three, key, three keys to peace when you find yourself in the, in the middle of all these wars. So write this down as point number one. The first thing you need to understand that when at war, you need to realize that there is first a war within you. Yes. In fact, listen to what it says in James chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. It says, what causes quarrels... And what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within who? You. Yeah, within you. Now, now, now folks, stop right there and let's look at this verse very carefully because it's interesting that God's word poses a question what is causing this war? Notice, it's not asking who is causing this war, but what is causing this issue. Because if you were to ask somebody in the middle of a war why you are in this fight, most people start pointing to the other person, don't they? Well, they said that one thing to me, or they didn't do that one thing. Or they did that thing that really hurt me. They disrespected me. And so what happens is, right, that in those moments, our natural inclination is to look outside of ourselves and think that they are the reason we are at this war. But folks, notice what God's word says. It says, isn't not this that your passions are at war within who? Within you, right? In other words, the reason you've allowed yourself to get into this war is because there are certain passions, there are certain desires in you that have led, right, into this all that war. And here is what these passions lead you to. Write this down as letter A and B. Listen, your passions lead you to covet or to envy, right? And your passions lead you to hate that person. In fact, listen to how the passage continues in verse two. It says this You desire and do not have, so you murder. Or another way of putting it, or so you hate that person, right? In scripture, sometimes murder and hate are synonymous. And then it says this You covet, you envy, and you cannot obtain. So you what? So you fight and you quarrel. So so when we get into that war with that person, when we get into those nasty fights, oftentimes the cause of the war is not the actual disagreement. Let me repeat that. The cause of the war, the reason you're in this war is not The actual initial disagreement. Because, folks, newsflash, disagreements are a part of life. People are different. They have different points of view. It's a normal part of life. But rather, what launches us into these all-out wars with people is because somewhere in there, there's a desire, a passion in you that you want but cannot obtain. Maybe what it is is you want some respect, Oh, I need this opportunity. Oh, I need to be accepted. Oh, I I, I need this position or whatever the case may be. And so what happens, if you think it just practically, when you get into these wars, it's not because of the actual disagreement, but there's a passion, there's a desire in you that you cannot have, that you want, which launches you into these all that wars. And folks, not only that, But there's something else that's happening in the middle of a war that's not only your desires. Write this down as big number two. Listen, when you, when at war, you need to realize that the enemy is at work. He's at work. You know, I love it when God's word not only gives us truth and wisdom, but also gives us examples of how things played out. In fact, there was a situation in the church in the city of Corinth in modern-day Greece where someone at some point said something bad about the Apostle Paul. And at that, at that point, that little comment, that disagreement, listen, caused an all-out war in that, in that church. Listen, they were divided, they were angry, they were saying hurtful comments. I mean, they were going back and forth. There was a war in this church. And so when the apostle Paul hears of what's going on, he writes to this church who is fighting, who is divided, and he says, listen, you need to stop and you need to pursue peace. You need to stop this war. And and, and folks, as he's writing, he gives us a such an important insight as to why we always need to pursue peace when we are in the middle of war. Listen to what it says in verse eleven. It says, "So that we would not be what outwitted." Oh, you can do a little better than that. So that we would not be what outwitted. Yes, outwitted. So that we would not be outwitted by who? By Satan. For we are not ignorant of his designs. Folks, notice. The apostle Paul here is saying, is pointing something out so critical for us to understand that when we get into those fights, into those wars, with your spouse, with your family member, with that coworker, with that boss, with that person at church, when you get into these wars, listen, you are actually being outwitted by Satan. And you know what's ironic? Is that when we are in the middle of those fights and those shouting and all that stuff, listen, We think we are in control, don't we? (laughs) Because in the middle of this war, you're thinking, oh, oh, they said that thing to me, I'm going to give them that comment right there. And you're going back and forth doing these things, and you think, oh, oh, I'm in control of this war, I'm in control of this fight, when in reality, we're self-deceived because Scripture tells us that we are actually falling right into our enemy's plan. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. You know, going back to the movie Captain America Civil War, there was, like in every movie, there was a villain. But this, the villain of this movie was very unique. In fact, he is called Baron Zemo. And Baron Zemo is very unique because he is not like other supervillains. You see, Baron Zemo is an ordinary guy, just like you and me. No powers, no abilities, nothing. But he knows that he cannot, by his normal physical abilities, cannot overpower the Avengers. So he has a plan, which is to... um, create lies, you know, make lies in the middle among themselves so that they can begin to kind of turn on each other, which led to Captain America and Iron Man go, go, start to, to go against each other and cause a civil war. In fact, there's a moment in this movie where the villain kind of transparently shares his plan of how he achieved that. Take a look. So, you see, he knew that an enemy from the outside, right, if they toppled that group, they could re rise. But if he got them to divide, if he got them to top crumble within, that would be the end of the Avengers. And, folks, it's interesting that even though he was powerless, he still tried his best to affect them. It's interesting, and you think of Baron Zemo, he was, like I said, powerless. And the same thing is with our enemy if you think about it because the bible says that when it comes to the enemy saying of children of god the bible says that at the cross listen christ disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him through the cross And so even though our enemy knows that he is eternally powerless over us, right, our sin was paid, he cannot accuse us anymore, we are free from sin, we are free from his dominion, here's the truth of the matter, is that he has a strategy against the children of God. And here they are. There are primarily two things. Write this down as letter A and B. First of all, the enemy wants division... And B, the enemy wants you to inflict pain on each other. See, the tactic or Satan's strategy is that once a disagreement ensues... His, his tactic is the moment that he spots, okay, there's a disagreement right there. He wants to put a wedge right between the dis- disagreement, split both people apart, and then get them to go after each other by inflicting pain. And folks, sometimes pa- it, the pain comes through hurtful comments. It comes through hurtful actions. Sometimes that, that pain comes from ignoring that person. That person, or maybe passive, aggressive comments, you know how it is. It comes in different forms. But here's what happens if you really think about it. The most damaging moments in your relationship with your spouse, with your children, with a family member, with a friend, whoever the case may be, have you noticed it always comes in the middle of a war? Because in the middle of those wars is when we let out those hurtful things, those hurtful comments that really pierced the heart of the other person. And, and you know how it is sometimes when you're in the middle of these arguments and these fights, sometimes you, you, you say things that you cannot even believe are coming out of your mouth. And you don't even believe what you're saying, but you're letting them out of your mouth to inflict pain. And, folks, once they're out of your mouth, it goes to the heart of that person. And let me tell you something. It is in those moments where wounds are created in the hearts of the people we love. And if you think about the key moment where a relationship was affected, changed, it wasn't during the the good fun times, was it? It was in the middle of a war. And so, church, I want you to be very savvy about this because every single time there is a disagreement with anybody in your life, remember that is the moment where Satan is trying to capitalize and divide you. And so, listen, be on your guard. The moment there's a disagreement, remember, listen. That is the moment where the enemy is trying to capitalize and bring division. And so you're thinking, all right, Omar, I, I understand what you're saying. I felt that in my own life. But when we do get into these wars, into these fights, I may be in war right now. How do we stop it? How do we take steps towards towards stopping? Well, write this down as big number three. Listen, to stop a war decisive measures of peace must be taken. And here's the first step. Write this down as letter A. First of all, refocus your desire. Refocus your desire. Now, let's go back to the book of James for a moment and listen to what it says. It says, you desire affection, acceptance, respect, whatever the case may be, and you do not have, so you murder, so you begin to hate that person. You covet, and you cannot obtain, so you fight, and you quarrel. Listen, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because, notice, you, you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. In other words, God's word saying that the reason that you are in this fight is because you are allowing these selfish desires at the moment to consume you to such an extent that you get out into these wars. And so... What must be done in the midst of these fights is that you need to stop, which may be hard, and refocus your desires. So ask yourself, listen, do you want a peaceful home or do you want a battle zone at home? Do you want a divided marriage, or do you want a united marriage? Do you want to be known as someone who inflicts pain, is bitter, is angry, walks around making hard comments to people, or do you want to be known as a peacemaker? Someone who strives, who loves people. Like, what do you want to know? Because what happens is that sometimes in those fights, we don't think long-term of our desires. We think of what we want to do right there and then. But you have to think, okay, what is my long-term goal in this relationship? What do I want to see in my home, in my family, with my friends? What type of relationship, what type of person, what do you want long-term? And so in those moments, you got to refocus your desires on wanting what you want right now and what's best for you and your family long-term. Refocus your desires. And second, write this down as letter B. Second step after refocusing is then you have to forgive by absorbing pain rather than inflicting it. Now, let's go back to the passage in Corinthians where Paul's addressing the issue in that church. Listen to what he says. So is, now, if anyone has caused pain, and war causes pain, right? Everywhere there is pain. He has caused it not only to me, right, the comments were made about him, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment, this pain infliction is enough. So you should rather turn and what? Forgive. And forgive. See, notice what Paul's saying here. Yes, this person has caused pain. Yes, there's pain back and forth. But... Instead of continuing to inflict pain back and forth to each other, you gotta turn and forgive. And so, family, don't miss this. Because vengeance always inflicts pain. In the middle of the fight, you wanna inflict pain through you want vengeance, you inflict more pain. But forgiveness, on the other hand, is the absorption of pain. In fact, let me just give you a quick example to help you process how forgiveness works. You know, back in the day when I first started here at Christ Fellowship, one of my first responsibilities here was to oversee our young adult ministry, which, by the way, we have a terrific young adult ministry. And so if you are between the ages of 18 to 29 on Tuesday nights at 7:30 at all of our campus, we have an amazing young adult ministry. In fact, can we get up for our young adult ministry? Yeah. And so I want to challenge you. It's a great place for you to come, enjoy each other, learn God's word, and build friendships. So I want to challenge you. Make sure you are part of our young adult ministry. But going back to the story, I remember that there was a, a, a young lady in, in the group that so she said, you know what, I'll open my home so we can have a big get-together. All right, so we all went there. A bunch of people went there. And, folks, when we got there, it was a beautiful Coral Gables home. I mean, it was humongous, and it was right on the golf course. And we're, like, walking around like, wow, this is beautiful. It's amazing, you know. And then towards the back of the home, there was a, uh, a glass like almost like a glass room. Uh, with a lot of huge, you know, uh, window panes, and there was a um, a pool table right in the middle. And so a couple of us were playing there with a pool table, but we were not playing traditional pool. We were just playing this game where we were just just toss, were tossing the ball back and forth, you know, to each other on the on the pool table. And my dumb self, I got a little carried away, and in one of those times, right there. I got that ball, and I went. Phew. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. What have I done? I don't have the money to pay for this. Oh, I'm so dumb. Why did I allow myself to do this? And here's what happened. The father of this young lady, he could have come out and said, young man, you're going to pay for this. He could say, Young man, I'm gonna call your boss and I'm gonna let them know what you did. Or I'm going to tell all the leaders there of what an irresponsible person you are. Or you know what? I'm just gonna hold this bitterness and ignore you from now on. I'm gonna make you pay that way. But you know what he did? He came out and he said, Son, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. I got it. I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. Let, let me pay. I'm offering to pay. I don't have the money, but I'm offering to pay for this for, for this broken window. Please, let me pay. He's like, no, 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 young man, my son. Don't worry about it. I got it. No big deal. Just keep enjoying yourself. And let me tell you something. The cost of that humongous window pane didn't evaporate into thin air. Someone had to absorb, absorb that cost. It was either going to be me or it was going to be him. And he absorbed that cost of that pain and essentially forgave me for what I did. And family, what an image, right, of, of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is absorption of pain rather than inflicting it. And family, you know who we learn forgiveness from? From God himself. Amen. In fact, scripture tells us that the consequence, the wages of sin, what we deserve for every sin, for every shameful thing we've done, for every offense against God, what we deserve for sinning against a holy and righteous God is eternal pain and suffering and death away from the presence of the Lord. That is what we all deserve. But you see, sin must be paid for. Somewhere, sin must be paid for. And family, the reason that the Lord can forgive you and me of our sin is because at one point, he absorbed the pain and the suffering that was meant for us. And you may be wondering, well, Omar, where did God absorb the pain and suffering of our sin? Very simple. He absorbed it at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when the Lord was hanging on that cross, folks, at that moment, he was absorbing the pain of all of your shame. Of every sinful thing you've ever done, he was absorbing the pain. He was absorbing the pain of that adultery. He was absorbing the pain of that nasty divorce. He was absorbing the pain of all of your addictions. He was absorbing the the pain of all your sexual sin. Every time you looked at that pornography, every single time you slept with that person who is not your spouse, he absorbed the pain for that sin. He absorbed the pain for all that jealousy. He absorbed the pain of what you did to your spouse. He absorbed the pain of your bitterness. He absorbed your pain of your unforgiveness. He absorbed the pain of, that, of, of all that gossip. He absorbed the pain of every single thing we've ever done. And because he absorbed on that cross, Pain and the suffering of everything we've done. He now says, Son, my son, my daughter, you know, you now go and you forgive those who've hurt you. You now I've forgiven you. You now go and forgive those who have caused you pain. And you know when we hear that statement, here's what happens. Some of us may be saying, oh pastor, you're a preacher, you're supposed to say that. You're supposed to say forgive people, forgive people, you're supposed to say all that. But if you only knew what they did to me, if you only knew what she said to me, if you only knew what he did to me, if you only knew what my parents didn't do for me when I was a child, if you only knew what they did to me when I was growing up, if you only knew what that coworker did to backstab me, if you only knew, you wouldn't be saying, forgive people. Well, listen to what the Lord reminds us. He says, For if you forgive others of their trespasses, of their sins, of their wrongs against you, Listen carefully. Your heavenly father will also forgive you. But, and here's a heavy statement coming. If you do not forgive others of their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you. So what is the Lord trying to to convey here? What, What is he trying to say? Well, here's what he's saying. If the forgiveness that we have received at the cost of the Son of God, if that forgiveness is so, it's so ineffective in our hearts, it's so ineffective in our hearts that we still wanna hold down to bitterness, that we still wanna hold down to a grudge, that we don't wanna forgive that person for what they did. If, if the forgiveness of our God It's so ineffective in our hearts, and listen carefully, what the Lord is trying to tell you here is that you probably have never truly experienced forgiveness of God. In fact, you might not even be saved because forgiven people are able to forgive others. Forgiven people are able to forgive others. Now listen carefully, church. That doesn't mean, forgiveness doesn't mean that in some circumstances, you need to trust that person again. That doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that forgiveness, in some, in some cases, the relationship needs to go back to what it was before. But what it does mean is that at some point in your life, you, you forgive and you let go. can I tell you, when you forgive that person that you don't want to forgive, you're the one who actually gets liberated at that moment. And you know what? You actually start experiencing healing in that, from that wound that you have never experienced before. Some of you think that you're still holding on and you're so good because you're holding on to that thing, but the reality is you have never even recovered from that wound. You're still here, you're still hurting why because you're still holding on to unforgiveness but the lord said listen just like i forgave you in the middle of that war stop and forgive here's the last step write this down as letter c the last step after forgiveness is to reaffirm your love despite differences in fact listen to how the apostle paul finishes off he says this For such a one, listen, this punishment, this infliction of pain is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him. Or he may be overwhelmed with excessive sorrow. So I beg of you to reaffirm your love for him. See, Paul's saying you want to stop this war and take steps of peace. There has to be a moment where you take a step towards reconciliation, that you affirm your love, your care, whatever the case may be, that you affirm that to that person. Some of us may be like, Listen, I can forgive, but it's hard for me to affirm love to people. Listen, our Heavenly Father had to witness. His own son dying on a cross for you and for me. If you have children, imagine having to witness your child suffering and dying. That Our Heavenly Father had to witness the Son of God dying on a cross for us. And you know what he could have done? He could have said, okay, sin is paid for, I forgive you. But listen you will never have access to me you will never know me you will stay far away from me and literally give us a cold shoulder from that point on but you know what the Lord does he affirms his love for you even though he had to see even though you and I effectively nailed his son to the cross even so, our Heavenly Father, every moment of our day, showers us with love, tells us of how much he loves us. And so if our Heavenly Father could, show, could tell us, I love you despite us putting his son on the cross, how can that we just not affirm people in our love despite our differences? I said, if our Heavenly Father could do that for us, How can we not follow his example to the people around us? Amen? You know, going back to the movie Civil War, you know, even though there had been tremendous damage among the Avengers and now they were locked up, some of them were locked up, and Captain America knew that he had to take a step towards peace. And so he writes a letter, he puts it on a FedEx box, mails it to Iron Man, and take a look at what he said. Folks, see, that was the beginning of the Avengers reconciling and moving forward. And so the question that I would pose to you today is this, listen. Who is that person that you're currently at war with? Maybe it's a Cold War. You're not speaking to them. Passive aggressive comments. Maybe it's a Fury War. Maybe you're back and forth. Who knows? Maybe it's that person right next to you right now, your spouse or family member. Maybe it's a friend, a coworker. Maybe it's someone at church. There are a couple rows from you, but you don't want to even look at them because you're at war with them. So who's that person? Listen, the truth of the matter is we know what God's word says. It's time for peace. It's time for you to become a peacemaker. In fact, listen to what the Lord said about being a peacemaker. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the what? Sons of God. The sons of God. You know why peacemakers are called the sons of God? because they reflect who their heavenly father is. See, we essentially were at war because of our sin with with God. But he made peace with us by the blood of the cross. That way, that's the reason that when you are a peacemaker in your life with whoever that is, listen, forget about what people say. The Lord says, you shall be called son of God. So who's that person? Right now, that you gotta take steps with and restore that relationship. Who knows, maybe you're watching right now, you're thinking, more. I just cannot come to forgive them. I'm sorry, I just cannot come. I'm so bitter, I'm, I cannot forgive them. Well, listen, perhaps the reason that you cannot forgive that person is because you've never experienced a forgiveness of, of Christ yourself. And because you've never tasted forgiveness of god you can't find it in yourself to forgive other people so maybe today the first step in all this is for you to start a relationship with the lord to experience forgiveness of god first the bible says that if we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And the way that you obtain forgiveness of sin is very simple. It's not good works. It's not a ritual you do at church or when you're a little baby. It's nothing like that. The way that you're able to experience forgiveness of, of sins and start a personal relationship with Christ is by putting your faith and your trust in him faith and trust in the death life in the life death and resurrection of christ and the bible says that the moment you come to him in faith you surrender your life you say now i'm ready he forgives you of all of your sins he makes you his son and daughter and from that moment on you start a relationship with him that we're never in the question is will you trust him enough let's bar head for prayer my lord god we for those of us who have experienced forgiveness of sin, that we are walking with you. My Lord, I, I, my prayer for all of us, including myself, Lord, because I struggle with this just like anybody does. Lord, my prayer for all of us is that in the middle of disagreements, when they're about to escalate into worse, that we stop and that we become peacemakers so that we could be called the sons of God. And for those of us right now who are here watching us online, maybe at one of our campuses and you're thinking, "Oh more, I'm ready to take that step. I, I got to experience forgiveness of sin first and get right with God. Well, listen, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And when you pray, listen, you pray to God, I cannot forgive you, all right? I cannot provide any forgiveness, only the God who died for you, who absorbed the pain of your sin, he can forgive you. So you pray this prayer to him. Pray this with me. And if you're already a believer in Christ, you pray for the other people right now who are taking this step of faith. Pray this with me. Father, today I come before you and I've realized the pain of war, the pain of unforgiveness. So, Father, I come before you and I confess my sin to you. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of all of my sins. And today, Lord, I put my trust in you. No longer in myself or my good works, but I put my trust in what you have done for me. Forgive me, Lord. And from here on out, oh, Lord, give me the life you promised, and Lord, help me now to live at peace with people. Help me to forgive people like I've been forgiven. So that I could be called a peacemaker. So, Father, help me, Lord, to live a life that honors you. And may it bring you glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say. Amen. Hey, can we give it for those at all campuses who prayed that prayer? And then that's you, man. We are so glad that you've taken this step. So if you're watching online, simply go to cfmiami.org connect, fill out that form, and we can connect with you and help you take steps in your journey with the Lord. Or if you're at one of our campuses right now, on your way out, stop by our Next Step booth. There's a group of people there who we just love to encourage you, you know, welcome you. We've got a Bible for you we want to put in your hand, and we want to connect you with one of our pastors so that as you move forward, we can help you take steps of faith in your new journey with the Lord, all right? So be sure to do that. Well, Christ fellows, I'm going to call all the campus pastors to the front. Be back next week for our third installment of At The Movies. God bless you all.